Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out FanDuel TV. And if you're not watching it live on FanDuel TV, go check out the Ringer TV feed on Spotify. But again, we have a great slate of shows and we got some big new shows on the way, some big announcements. I'm very excited about it. I am not privy to make those actual announcements, but I can tease it. I can get you excited. And uh, if you're not watching the shows on FanDuel TV, I'd really appreciate it. I do the show through The Ringer. Go check it out. We have all the personalities from The Ringer universe come on the show. And again, we have some very exciting news on the way. So if you haven't subscribed, go subscribe to Ringer TV right now. And if you're not watching FanDuel TV, you're missing out. Because if you like the ponies, uh, you can watch the ponies. FanDuel and, Racing, baby. And then watch some Ringer stuff right after it. So it's all good stuff. Go check it out now. And again, it is Ringer TV, FanDuel TV. Go check it out. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we've got CBS Sports' very own Gary Parrish, who's going to join the show. We're going to talk about the existential crisis in college basketball, the you know evergreen question that has happened since about 2008. Is college basketball dead despite leading in all the ratings? I don't understand it. Despite all the conference realignment, I don't understand it. But we're going to talk to Gary Parrish, try to make some sense of all this sort of stuff that's happening in college basketball. We'll also talk about Memphis. That is correct. Gary Parrish is uh, a Memphis alumnus. He also is someone that lives in Memphis near Chris Vernon. So maybe we get a few Verno stories. We get some Penny Hardaway stories. It's going to be a fun show. Excited to have Gary Parrish on. As Kyle reminded me, we have been wanting Gary Parrish to be on the show for quite some time. We have not been able to, to lock it down, but we've made it happen. I talked to Verno in uh, Las Vegas at NBA Summer League. I said, I need him on the show as well. He said, I can't do me, but I can do you one better. I'll get you Gary Parrish. And uh, Chris Vernon, he didn't follow up on that, but uh, he did confirm it in the moment. And we followed up with Gary. We appreciate him coming on the show. Very excited about that. Um, We'll talk USA basketball at the end. They played Jordan at 1.40 in the morning Pacific time today. I uh, I was asleep, so I did not see much of that game. But I woke up this morning and I rewatched it because that's what we're supposed to do for this podcast. And uh, I have some thoughts in case you missed it. Brandon Ingram got benched. Uh, that's the big headline. And Anthony Edwards is the man, as we already talked about on the show. So he is the Ant Man. It is happening, and uh, they won the group U.S. of A. Three and O. So that's uh, all good news for the World Cup. We'll do shout outs at the end. Kyle. We are back in studio. It is good to be in studio. We got Cousin Sal and Bill coming into the studio today. The best. To tape, guess the lines for the season. I mean, it's it's a jam-packed day here. Anything before we get into today's episode? Well, by the time this is publishing, I'll probably just be getting home from the 50-cent <laughs> la- final lap tour wow. at Crypto.com Arena. Everybody knows it as Staples Center. So hopefully um, what's, I'm quick, still alive. Quickly, what's the one song that you have to see? Heat. Okay. That's a great song. 
You think Lloyd Banks is there? Who comes out? Who's it's the final. I think definitely Yayo's there. There's been a Yayo renaissance as we've, as we've covered. I think yeah. probably Yayo will be there. Mm. Um, what I about Jeremiah? I think, I think he comes out Planet 50. I don't think he's super busy. You know, yeah, I think he'll prob- he's doing? probably around. Yeah, come on. Uh, but I just, I, I never really thought I was going to spend money on, uh, you know, rap concerts because I've been to a couple and I've just been kind of underwhelmed. But this is one where I think I would make an exception to the rule as well as some other guys who, you know, throw up bands up there like Anderson Pack and other people. But I just had been, there's been enough like shows that I've been to with big names. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just more impressed at a John Mayer show. Sue me. But uh, shout out to Free Ticket. Shout out to Spotify. Shout out to Bill Simmons. So I am overly excited to be going tonight. And I'm sorry I didn't invite you. Oh, it's okay. I'm not going to take it personally. I am going to Italy. Uh, so I'll let it slide uh, next week. So I got so I got my own plans, Kyle, even though I would love to see 50. And a lot of people, they kind of wrote 50 off when Curtis came out and then graduate. I mean, we remember the face off on 106 and Park. What a great moment in hip hop history. Then Kanye shot up, 50 shot down. But the real ones know that 50 was all around. He just decided to pivot. He said, I'm doing Started making stuff. movies. Started making... Power. Um, power, come on. It's, it's what, they're on their seventh book now? Yeah, <laughs> remember like, when we shared uh, a whole studio set in office with power and uh, we I saw just, all the writers? I spent so many hours just trying to catch a glimpse, but I was like, 50 doesn't come in here, does he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> but uh, Scandal was there. Uh, power was there. The Ringer was there. How to get away, how to get away with Murder was there, I believe, too, right. right? Yeah, a lot of Shonda... Shonda Rhimes was there. Yes, Shonda uh, Land was there. Yeah, Shonda would you just basically just like push you out of the way if you got in her way. She was the queen. She ran the whole entire lot and Kerry Washington we saw her quite a few couple times. glimpses of her yeah oh man what a great time that was uh, shout out to all those great productions we're big fans uh, and shout out to 50 Cent because I know he's going to have a great show hopefully he doesn't hang upside down the last time I saw him perform he was I think we all down. learned a lesson yeah <laughs> I wouldn't want to hang upside down I'm not ever hanging upside down now ever again yes. uh, we're too old for that uh, shout out to 50 Cent shout out to you hope you have a great concert G-Unit yeah anything else before we get into today's episode that's it G-Unit but first Woody Durham Welcome into One Shining Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. You know him from CBS, covering college basketball for as long as I can remember. He's the great Gary Parrish. Gary, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. For as long as you can remember, I can remember being the up-and-coming guy in the business, and now I'm the guy who's been around as long as other up-and-comers can remember. That's, well, I guess it's, that's the way life works. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, all, it's all out of respect, you know what I mean? I, I brought I, I, no, you here, yeah. GP, because I, I need answers, you know what I mean? I, I, I am, you know, I'm finding my footing. It's been about eight years in this racket, but, uh, you know, as you know, uh, we've seen a lot of sea changes. We've seen a lot of water, you know, shed moments in the sports. We'll talk about all that. But first and foremost, thanks for, ha- you know, joining us on the show. Uh, thanks for coming on. And you have a great podcast yourself with Matt Norlander. If you haven't checked that out, go check out that show. I wanted to, I wanted to start there. What is it like being uh, both the reporter in college basketball and also being the podcast personality? Because those are two things that are, uh, you know, all coming into one right now. Yeah, it's funny. Like in all seriousness, I was just goofing around. I, I've had these moments where like my first season covering college basketball as a professional, like I work at a real newspaper and I'm covering <laughs> college basketball was Dewan Wagner's freshman year at the University of Memphis. I'm now getting ready to cover Dewan Wagner's son at the University of Kentucky. Crazy. Again, just sort of the way uh, life works. Um, I I will tell you, when I got into this business, none of this was in my sights. Mm. I genuinely just wanted to be a newspaper reporter. Podcast didn't exist. 
Um, you know, I didn't really have any aspirations to be on TV. I was, as you you know, put it, just a reporter, a writer. My first contract with CBS Sports was signed in July 2006. My job was to write columns, period. That's all I was supposed to do. As the years have gone on, um, you know, the, the world around us has changed. Yeah. So um, videos became more prominent. And then next thing you know, I'm in a television studio, mm-hmm. you know, uh, every week of the season. And uh, then there's the podcast and you're doing that. And so I, I appreciate you calling me a reporter. I used to be one. I don't <laughs> consider myself that anymore because I can't do everything. You know, you can't, to be a great reporter, you got to be on the phone every day, talking on to people. On the beat, agents, going to all it, these games, talking to all these people, massaging you relationships. Be on, yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. You got to be on campuses. You got to be at games. You've got to be on the phone all the time. Well, I don't go to campuses anymore. I go to New York and then back home and then New York and back home. I'm in a studio, not on a campus. I don't have time to talk on the phone all day because I'm being asked to talk to people all day, like to, to podcast and television and all this stuff. So you, at some point, I don't know the date, but I had these conversations with my bosses and it's like, what, what am I supposed to be? I got into this to be a reporter. I don't really feel like I report anymore. I'm just talking all the time. I'm just a talker now. And uh, long story, not so long. And I, my job is to be a talker. Yeah. You know, my, to talk on TV, to podcast. Yeah, to rank 26 basketball teams every morning during the season. But I am largely a, a talker more than a reporter. So it's um, I enjoy it. It's a blast. I get to talk to one of my friends, you know, several times a week about the sport that I grew up loving. I couldn't begin to overstate how lucky I know I am. Um, but it, it, it has certainly been quite a career change for me because the things that I think I was initially interested in and the things that actually created all these other opportunities for me, I don't really do those things anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I went to journalism school at Carolina. You know, everything that you did there, you learn how to be a beat reporter. You learn how to be objective. You go in the press box. If you clap, they kick you out and they and they ban you from the profession forever. Right. And now, you know, I, I go and I joined Bill Simmons. And, you know, at the time it was Grantland turns at the ringer and he's like, no, you're a Carolina. Tell people you're a Carolina fan. Lead into it. You know what I mean? Be who you are. Be a personality. And I think that's the biggest shift in the entire landscape of coverage at this point. Oh, how about this? Um, you know, to keep going back to, you know, when I was young, um, <laughs> but I graduated college in 99. Yeah. And my wife is an Ole Miss grad and I'm a University of Memphis grad. And the first beat I ever had was covering the University of Memphis mm. for the Commercial Appeal newspaper in Memphis. And I can just remember... When I graduated from Memphis, I had a Memphis license plate, you know, University of Memphis license plate. And when I became the beat writer, I had to get rid of that. At least mm. I thought I did because, you know, you can't have anybody, can't be driving around with a Memphis license plate. People think you're biased. And then I remember we'd go to like some festival and my wife would address uh, our oldest son, who's now in college at Ole Miss. But at the time, he's a baby, he's two. And she would dress him in, uh, you know, like Ole Miss gear. And, and we'd be out at the festival and I'd be like, Kelly, we can't have our son out at Memphis in May in Ole Miss gear. Somebody's going to take a picture of him. That's Gary Parrish's son. It'll be on a message board. Now we got a, you know, we got a controversy. Mm -hmm. The Memphis beat writer has his kids in Ole Miss clothes. He must take, it's just all this nonsense. And I really do think Bill had a lot to do with changing that. Scott Van Pelt as well. You know, Bill probably became the most famous sports writer in the country. He just did. Like he wasn't traditional, but he probably became the most famous. And, you know, Scott Van Pelt hosts SportsCenter. So here's maybe the most famous sports writer in the world and the guy who hosts Sports Center, and they both are way out front with their fandom. I love Maryland. I love the Celtics, the Patriots, whatever. <laughs> and it sort of freed the rest of us. Like my kids could wear Ole Miss shirts now, Mississippi State shirts now, 
Memphis. I don't care. It like I do not put them in anything. Whatever you think Memphis's biggest rival is, put them in that. Doesn't matter. But there was a time where you had to be careful about that stuff. It's changed. I'm glad it has. And I do think Bill, you brought him up is a big part of that Van Pelt as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember watching SportsCenter as a kid with Stuart Scott, and Stuart Scott would start talking about North Carolina or Vince Carter, right? And he would talk about, you know, his Tar Hill, you know, whatever, and making some sort of phrase and some sort of reference. And at the time, I, I just thought it was fascinating that, one, it made me like him more, obviously, because I was a Carolina kid, but also it made me learn something about him. And I think that was the the next layer that we all got to as personalities, right? People want to know that you actually do love sports, that you actually grew up in it, that you, you actually understand how it goes and the lifestyle. And I think that's the biggest difference. But I, I also find it fascinating because, like you said, it was such a, um, you know, let's let's go wear our suits. Let's go be buttoned up. Let's not say anything that crosses the line. Uh, we don't want to offend anyone. We must be objective. But I think objectivity now comes from the fact that we know your bias, right? You know that I love North Carolina. So when I talk about Duke, there is a disdain that's built in. And I've made a little bit of a bit out of it. And now that I don't have Coach K, I, you know, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's changed a little bit. It's different. It's not the same bit. We move on. Um, and that's how the world works. So I, I wanted to dive into the to that aspect yeah, of it, those yeah. two sides, because yeah, I do like, think I, that's I'm glad we Yeah, I'm glad we finally got to the point where like we're adults. Like uh, most yeah. of us got into this profession because we loved sports and probably a very specific team or university. Like that's why we even wanted to do this. And then you become what you want to become. And it's like, shut it off. <laughs> you can't care anymore right. or you, you can't show that you care anymore. And like, here, here's the truth. Um, I'm a Grizzlies fan. It's the NBA franchise in my hometown. I also work for the Grizzlies, literally get a paycheck from the Grizzlies. Grind City Media. There you go. I also can come on my show as an employee of the Grizzlies and tell you that John Morant is insane for continuously flashing guns on Instagram. Like I can tell you, I love this thing. I want John Morant to be great. But my God, when it's time to be objective and say, well, what are you doing? My employer is okay with me doing that. Um, and, and fans, I think, can appreciate it a little more. Like, hey, he's, we used to have to pretend, oh, we don't care like you care. We're above <laughs> it. Now we can say, no, we care just as much as you care. But when it's time to you know, be objective and criticize or at least ask questions, I at least can do that. And right. I'm, I've always been very comfortable doing it. And I, I, I do appreciate that. You know, over the past, let's say, two decades, the world has changed enough to where those of us who love sports so much that we wanted to have a career in sports can now not pretend that we just stopped loving sports when we got our big J journalism card. And I think it even hits more when you know that you do love something like the Memphis yes. Grizzlies, like you're talking about, and you talk about it from that objective fashion where you're just trying to say, I want the better for John Morant in this That's situation. Right. It's not because, you know, you you want him to do, you know, because that, that was the other part. There was always this, um, you know, when it came to the message boards, right, they would be mad about the beat reporters, uh, you know, yeah. talking about the team because they want the fanfare of it all. There is a separation of church and state there a little bit between those two things, but it's, it's more blurred lines than it ever has been but you also have to remind people I do know what I'm talking about I also right. am, am able to acknowledge that I am a fan I am an right. alum right you know what I mean I'm an alum of Carolina you're an alum of Memphis so it, it plays into it as well so you, you have that background but also you're you're able to check that at the door sometimes right my my past connections to the University of Memphis made me a better beat writer for the University of Memphis than right. I otherwise would have been because I understood the history. I grew up with it. But it was always interesting to me. I grew up a Memphis basketball fan. 
I went to the University of Memphis. I graduated from there. I bought. T- I would. I would cut yards when I was a kid to to get money to buy tickets so I could go to the games. All right, and then I became the Memphis beat writer. And there's a contingency of the fan base that thinks I hate Memphis. <laughs> when, did, when would that have started? I just. I my among the reasons I wanted to get into journalism. Like, you say, hey, what's your dream job? What do you want to do? I want to cover Memphis for the commercial appeal. I want to cover the men's basketball program at Memphis for the commercial appeal. I got the job. Mm. And then what? I decided I hate Memphis? <laughs> no, but like when the star player beats up his girlfriend, I'm sorry. I got to write about that. Yeah. You know? And when somebody asks me about it, I got to tell them I think it's shameful and this person should be suspended. It, fans don't want to hear that sometimes. Fans want to hear like, PR. Oh, you must. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's the reality. I mean, you, you want to hear yeah. like the uh, the best case scenario version of everything. And then when you don't hear it, that goes back to the message board audience that yes, you're dealing right. with. But I think that even though that is a loud, I do think it is a loud minority. Uh, you I know, at too. some level, there's more rational, level-headed fan bases um, for the most part. Sometimes people can I get crazy. Um, let's talk about Memphis because uh, Penny yes. Hardaway is one of my favorite characters in college basketball. He is... Um, He's not afraid to give you a quote. He's not afraid to uh, stick his neck out there and let you know how he feels about things. I think he's very passionate. I think we all love Penny Hardaway, the basketball player. We've all tried to figure out what he is as a basketball coach. He was, you know, on his way potentially to a Final Four last year before the FAU. Ball bounces the wrong way. He's still upset about it. But what are your thoughts on Penny right now um, during his tenure at Memphis? I think he's really found his footing. You know, Mm. I think even he would tell you he was a little naive to how complicated um, being a, a high major basketball coach would be. I, I think he was like, listen, I know basketball better than these people. I've been coaching basketball, sure, at a lower level, middle school, high school, but it's still coaching basketball. I'm going to be able to recruit players. I've been doing that on the grassroots level. Let me recruit my guys. Let me. I'm going to be fine. He was at the introductory press conference talking about winning national championships. <laughs> Keep in mind, Memphis has never won a national championship, all right? In anything other than pom-pom, probably. So he gets that first big recruiting class. It's literally the number one recruiting class in America. And it was like, I don't see how anybody's going to beat us. He, he would say these things out loud. And then he realized, like, oh, it's more complicated than that. They had NCAA issues with James Wiseman. Then Wiseman quits the team. DJ Jeffries gets hurt. And after a first season that was like, it was just whatever. He had Tubby Smith's players and it was always going to be what it was. That second season was supposed to be great and it just wasn't. And then suddenly you look up and recruiting's not going as well. And it was like, ooh, where is this going to go? Then they had the COVID problems. He had the F. Rick Barnes problems. It was just like one little and you start to go, is he built for this or is he just in over his head? I think that was a fair question to ask at a time. At the time. But the past two years, they've been they've been really good. They've made the NCAA tournament both times. They played Gonzaga to the final minutes two years ago. That was a Gonzaga team that was a one seed. They had FAU beat. And I don't know that they would have gone to a Final Four if they beat FAU. But I feel comfortable that they would have got to at least to the Sweet 16 because next up would have been Fairleigh Dickinson. So, And now, he has a team that probably projected second in the AAC behind Florida Atlantic. If they get DeAndre Williams eligible, which I'm not sure they're going to, but if they do, there's some computer rankings, BartTorvert.com, that takes the Memphis roster and ranks it in the top 10 of the preseason. So Penny Hardaway, for all of the stumbles in the first few years, is now entering year six, coming off of two NCAA tournament appearances and possibly with a preseason top 15 team. That's pretty solid ground. And his... Different in the 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 difference in approach, I think, is fascinating. I don't know that anybody else has done it this dramatically. 
Like John Calipari has changed his approach, but he's still got the number one recruiting class in the country, a bunch of 18-year-olds he's relying on. In game one of Penny Hardaway's second season at Memphis, he started five freshmen. Even the Fab Five did not start five freshmen on opening night. My research showed that that University Memphis team, Penny Hardaway's second team, is the first, quote-unquote, high major team to ever start five freshmen in the opening game. All right? This season, he could start an average starting lineup that's like 23, 24 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, He went from having quite literally the youngest team in America to this year he might quite literally have the oldest team in America, and he now prefers this. He knows... I can't take a bunch of 18-year-olds and beat a bunch of 22-year-olds. I'm going to go get the 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds. That's where he's really operating now, and he's done a fabulous job at it. This offseason, this two months ago, it was like, Jesus, what's that roster going to look like? Now, it looks like it's you know an NCAA tournament team and maybe much more. Yeah, and it's so interesting because when Penny came on, I mean, there were you know questions about was it a mutiny? Did he, did the, did he do this on purpose to get James yeah. Wiseman on board? Right, there was all this just kind of like back-channeling that everyone was talking about at a higher level. And then when he came in, he kind of did what people expected, which is the one-and-done model, trying to take Calipari's, you know, you know what he'd been doing at Kentucky. And then all of a sudden, like you said, he made this major pivot. I feel like after the Rick Barnes uh, press conference, it felt like he kind of course-corrected a little bit. Um, and now he's gotten older players. He's got a new regime. And he wants FAU to get all the, the accolades in the offseason because he thinks that they're the best team in the conference, which is also fascinating to me with this group. And Penny can step out and say things to get people fired up, but he also seems like he figured something out. And I think there is some security there at Memphis basketball um, that we haven't quite seen um, since maybe even Cal was there. But even when he was there, you always felt like he was looking for greener pastures. So like how long can Penny, like what is the runway for Penny at Memphis? Because this is his alma mater. I don't see him trying to take this and go to, you know, some other program. I feel like he can do this at Memphis. Well, it's interesting because at the time, the year that Penny got the Memphis job, maybe the year before, whenever Ole Miss hired Kermit Davis, mm-hmm. I know Ole Miss was at least interested in kicking the tires on Penny Hardaway. And they, they interviewed him. They actually did talk to him about the opening. This is while he's the coach at East High School. And I think if Ole Miss would have offered, he would have, he would have taken that job because the Memphis job at this point was not open. And I talked to somebody from Ole Miss and I thought this was very smart the way they sort of played it out. And because ultimately they decided not to hire him. They actually asked, they offered him a spot on Kermit Davis's, like, would you be an assistant for Kermit Davis? He's like, no, I'm not going to be an assistant coach. But they, off, they, they decided not to hire him. He was never offered the job. And when I was talking to somebody from Ole Miss about it, they said, well, here's the deal. Here's what we conclude. It's risky to hire a high school coach. It just is. I don't care what his name is. It's just risky. All right. So there's a decent chance this is a, colossal mistake just a, a complete like oh my god i guess we learned our lesson don't hire a high school coach all right that's obviously bad but what if it's great <laughs> this is what the person told me if it's great you know what's going to happen memphis is going to offer him the job and he'll take it immediately and go back home so if it's bad we messed up and if it's great we're going to lose him to memphis so what is even the point point? and i thought that was really smart and it it it, it, it circles back to your point the history of Memphis is, oh my God, if we got a coach who went to three straight NCAA tournaments, are we going to lose him to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. With John Calipari, it was a forever fear until it was over. With Penny, I don't think you have that same fear. I don't think Penny's trying to be the next Kentucky coach. I don't think Penny's trying to get the Louisville job. His heart is in Memphis. He cares deeply about this place. He doesn't need the money. He's not coaching for money. 
he just likes he just enjoys he wants to make his i know this is a little whatever but like he really wants to make his alma mater like great he wants it to be everything he thinks it can be and that's his motivation i, I don't know if he's going to coach 15 years or 25 years but i don't think he's going to coach anywhere else in college i think he's going to coach there until it goes bad and they have to make a move or he just gets tired it goes well and he just gets tired of doing it and he's ready to go play golf again you know 6 days a week but I, I, um, I, I don't think he has any plans on, I want to be out of here by 2027 or 2030. I think he would like to be um, coaching in a different league, but not at a different school in a different league. I think mm-hmm. he would like Memphis to somehow someday end up in a different league. But that, that's the good thing for Memphis fans. I don't think you have to worry. If it was a different coach taking Memphis to three straight NCAA tournaments, Louisville's you'd start calling. To, yeah, you, you'd, you'd, somebody is eventually going to call, and they might eventually call on Penny. But he, he, I don't think he's going to leave for money, and I don't think there's anywhere else he wants to coach. Yeah. I'd never say never, but I'd be, I would be surprised if he ever coached college basketball anywhere other than his alma mater. Well, that's why I think kind of the uh, the speed bumps out of the gate were great for Memphis fans because the NBA kind of got off of him, right? I mean, the NBA yeah. has said that we've moved on. We, he might not be a guy that we bring on as a head coach, and maybe in the future he is. But for the time being, it feels like he's fully focused on Memphis basketball. Yeah. That's why we say here, make Memphis State great again. That's what we want. We uh, the Memphis State jerseys are spectacular. Right. When they wear those, they they are a different basketball team. And like you said, there are a bunch of 23, 24 year olds at this point, and uh, there's a lot of power to have that. So I'm excited for Penny Hardaway. And as you and I both know, the stars of college basketball are always the coaches, right? When you That's see right. the Champions Classic, it used to be the the four coaches are on the board. That's who you know we're looking forward. But we we lost Coach K, we lost Roy Williams, we lost Jay Wright. A lot of people are trying to figure out who the faces of college basketball basketball would be. Do you think Penny is is one of those guys? And then we can talk about some of the other faces. Yeah, I think he can be because uh, he, he's super famous. I'm just telling you when he walks into, you know, Peace Jam Jam, um, it's not so much the kids, but their parents, their dads, who, like their, yeah. the dads were like, <laughs> Penny Hardaway was cold, man. And if you mm-hmm. ever go watch the YouTube videos of him, the highlights are outrageous. They don't look like anybody else's highlights. He was outrageous until injuries derailed his career. I mean, he was first-team All-NBA his second year in the NBA. Think about that. That doesn't happen anymore. Like, think if Paulo Bencaro was first-team All-NBA next season. Right. Like, that, that doesn't make any – that's not the way this stuff works. And But that's who he was. So he's super famous, especially with the parents. And when he walks in – and kids are all – like, my, my little guys are growing up on YouTube. So even if you – don't aren't like these kids have probably stumbled into Penny Hardaway highlights on their iPads at some point. So when he walks in the room, I don't want to overstate it. Like when Kay walked in the room, people noticed when Roy walked in a room, people noticed Bayheim, um, you know, the legends. But when Penny walks in a room, it's different than when just another sixth year head coach walks into the room. People, he draws a crowd. He makes people turn their heads. And I don't think there's any question if he continues to keep Memphis you know, relevant top twenty-five ish and competing for NCAA tournaments. He's he's got a he's got a chance because he's not young, but he looks young. He seems young. He's hip. Like, like he's different. He walks in. How about this? He walks in the gym. Nobody else is dressed like him. No other coach has ever dressed like Penny Hardaway. He really connects with young people in a in a fascinating way. And if he can continue to to build the program in the right direction, he's got a chance to be certainly one of the the 
I think he's already one of the most famous coaches, but he's got a chance to to matter in ways maybe you couldn't otherwise matter as the Memphis coach. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, if the ACC is, uh, you know, if they double down and say they want to add some teams and they take in an SMU, maybe they look and say Memphis is, is one of those teams that could be the fourth one that they bring into the ACC. Who knows? But like you said, there's the conference realignment aspect of it. And maybe with Memphis football, Memphis basketball, the, the town of Memphis, that television market, maybe people say, Hey, this is worth it. This is worth it. It's close by. It makes sense from a regional aspect. And uh, I, I think it's fascinating. But so you have Memphis and Penny. Mm-hmm. The other real new star that kind of came to the forefront was Dusty May, who's also in the yeah. same conference at FAU. Uh, a lot of people were saying he's the new Brad Stevens of college basketball. He has this magical run to the Final Four. He kind of helped build this program from nothing to something. Um, everyone's trying to speculate where he wants to go next, right? We talked about we, we, this is what happens with these great coaches. Will it be Miami after Laranega? Would it be Florida State after Leno Hamilton? Would it be Indiana after Mike Woodson? Is Dusty May one of those guys, and will he be pushed to the forefront this season? I. I I don't know if he's one of those guys. Like Brad Stevens is, you know, an all-time great all-time, college yeah. basketball coach. Um, I, I, I say this as somebody who believes in Dusty May. If I had an opening, I'd be trying to hire him. I, I, I like him on a professional level. I love him on a personal level. Mm. I don't know if he's gonna be the next Brad Stevens. What I will tell you is he's about to be pursued, like Brad Stevens used to be, because he just found himself in the in the best situation you could find yourself in. They didn't just sort of. I know they weren't supposed to get to the final four. I know they overachieved to get there. That team was good all year. Yeah. That team was really good. They were ranked all top year. 25. I mean, yes. They were high in the computers. They were, I remember doing a podcast with Norlander. I don't know. Whenever it was, College of Charleston got ranked for the first time. And I was happy for Pat Kelsey and I was happy for Charleston. But if I were being honest, I didn't understand why Charleston was in the top 25. And I made the point if you're looking for a mid major team with a gaudy record, but there's actually some substance to it. The place you should be looking is Florida Atlantic, not Charleston. And then Florida Atlantic becomes what they become. They win their league title, league tournament, and then they go to the Final Four. So it wasn't, I guess, I, no, I'll say it wasn't fluky. It wasn't fluky. It, they were good enough. They were always good enough to get there. They weren't supposed to get there, but they were always good enough. And then they did it. And then he held the whole team together, basically. I mean, they were turning all five starters from a team that you know, won a league, won a league tournament, went to the Final Four, all this stuff. So obviously he wasn't going to leave then because if you're telling all these guys to come back, like, why am I going to walk away from a preseason top 10 team? Particularly one that's going to play in a league like the AAC where I should be able to, for the most part, run through it. So that's back. That's two years back to back. That's the type of, that's the type of stuff people can't ignore. And so I don't know what jobs are going to open. The biggest one, probably Louisville, you know, mm-hmm. if, 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 if things don't go better and I mean way better for Kenny Payne, and certainly if you're Louisville, you'd have to take a look at, at, at Dusty May. That's a, that's a program that's dealt with scandal. He has a reputation, the opposite of scandal. And he's just, he's a rock solid guy. And he's a, he's a really talented basketball coach. He'll have options. I, I, I'll put it this way. I, don't want, I, I never want to say I guarantee, like I don't speak in absolutes about this stuff because the things that matter to Dusty might not be things that matter to me and vice versa. I don't make other people's career choices. You start projecting in this business like, well, how would he turn that down? Well, maybe maybe his wife loves living where they live or his kids have the you know, is a part of a travel baseball team and they're all his best friends, he doesn't want to move. Like these decisions are often motivated by things other than what's the best job, where's the most money. Like these are men with families, children often, 
And they don't just say, where's the best place to coach basketball? Some do, but others are, the process of going through it is a little more complicated. You're weighing more factors. So I don't, I don't know what Dusty may, I don't know exactly what he's after, but at the end of this, this upcoming season, as long as it goes anything close to the way it's supposed to go, he will have multiple high major pursuers uh, throwing a lot of money on a contract in pursuit of him. And he might stay at Florida Atlantic, but, but most people wouldn't. And most people don't. I suspect if we're talking again in advance of the 2024, 25 season, I bet you'll be in a position to ask me how I think Dusty May is going to do at his new job. Yeah. And FAU is an Adidas school. So if you're thinking about the brand aspect of it, if Louisville comes calling, it's Adidas to Adidas. You understand that pipeline. You understand how, you know, the circuits work for Adidas and the players that come through that pipeline and how to identify certain guys. So Dusty May would just go to a bigger platform. Unfortunately, we've seen that Louisville, Chris Mack being the, you know, the biggest story of making the leap and then, you know, and not coming to fruition. And, you know, what he was getting paid $10 million a year at that point. So Louisville can, they can drop the bag. They can give you the big money, but it doesn't always lead uh, to one-to-one success. Miami is the one that kind of makes the most sense to me. Um, but we don't know what Larinaga's plan is, and nor do you want Larinaga to leave because he's that good of a basketball coach. He's another one, makes the Final Four, first one in program history. Do you think Larinaga, I think he's going to be the face of the ACC. I know everybody wants it to be John Shire. I know Tony Bennett is obviously right there, a national champion. But I think Jim Lair- Leonard Hamilton as well. But Jim Larinaga to me is kind of the, the, the face of the ACC at this point. Well, like it's remarkable what he's done there. I can remember when he got the Miami job, the prevailing theory within the industry was retirement. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> he's going down there to retire. Right. And I remember going down there and I spent a couple of days with him, went to brunch with him and his wife. And it became fairly clear to me, this guy's not down here just to retire. He's down here to win. And, and he's not like, Oh, yeah, let me get three years and get out of here. Like when Oliver Purnell went went to... This is the first time I said Oliver Purnell's name in years. Right. But when Oliver Purnell went to DePaul, absolutely people were like, mm-hmm. he wants to. he's tired of living in Clemson, South Carolina. They want to go live in a big city, you know, go to nice restaurants, drink wine, make a lot of money. Uh, this is and, early and no tournament expectations really at that point right. because that was right. the big knock at Clemson that he couldn't win a game in the tournament. You That's go right. to DePaul, nobody, you know, they're just That's like, right. we're nobody happy cares. to be here. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so people said the same things about Jim Laranega that they said about Oliver Purnell. They were probably right about Oliver Purnell, but they were wrong about Laranega. And I don't know that he's anywhere near, I mean, he's got to be near retirement. I mean, you just you look at his birth certificate, got to be near retirement. But I don't think he's like, it's time. Like they were in the final four last year. You got a preseason top 20 team this season. He's still operating at an extremely high level. Obviously a great coach. It is interesting in the state of Florida where Dusty May now works. You've got two coaches deep into their 70s in Leonard Hamilton at Florida State and, and Jim Laranega at Miami. My guess is that Dusty's next job will be a better job than either one of those jobs. But certainly if Florida State were to open because Leonard decided to retire or Miami were to open because Jim decided you'd be a fool not to at least knock on the door and try to see if Dusty May wants to uh, move from one campus to another, but not from one state to another. 
Yeah, I uh, I just think it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how that all plays out. And I like that we got some new figures and faces that are in the forefront of college basketball. Because like I said, we lost these legends and then we were trying to figure out, you know, who's going to step into those shoes. I'm not sure that it's all quite determined, but we do have lots of options. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I want to talk about your most famous for your top 25 and one the the most recent top 25 and one that you have put out. I've been trying to figure out what the actual preseason top 25 should look like. So right. this list came out on August 1st. This is the, this is the most updated list that we have, right? Gary, n- nothing, nothing else that you have in your back yeah, pocket. The, You're not making any big changes right now. No, 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 no big like everything's sort of cl- things right. have calmed down a little bit. And so the last change I made was connected to Kentucky grabbing an international player who might help them marginally. But anytime Kentucky does something, you need to at least to <laughs> get bump it. them up for the Kentucky fans. Yeah. Make them happy. I moved them up one spot and like <laughs> Kentucky fans were mad about that because of, of course they were. Yeah. Um, they're like, we're a top 10 team now. Now that we've added this guy from overseas that we've never seen. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's now we're final four good i'm like listen I, I i have a lot of respect for your program i have a, a um a, a lot of history with your head coach uh the truth is my mistake in recent years hasn't been ranking you too low it's been ranking <laughs> you too high maybe we should take a wait and see approach uh, for what but i i do think they'll be good again so yes that's the most recent update and it's wild i start doing this literally the night of the national championship game mm-hmm. and it's a lot of projecting um, you know, even you, you, you tell people, Hey, we don't know what the roster is going to look like, but based on right now, what we know combined with what we think, here's what it looks like. And you'd be surprised or maybe you wouldn't, but it honestly holds together pretty well from the night of the national championship game through where we are right now. A lot of it looks the same, obviously, um, you know, if Purdue doesn't get Zach Eady back, that looks a lot different than when they do get him back. But I always projected him to come back. So I wouldn't have had Kansas number one on the night of the national championship game. But when you look at what Kansas brings back, what Kansas added and mostly in the form of Hunter Dickinson, former All-American at Michigan, I do think it's, it's, it's clear to me, at least Kansas should be the preseason number one. They're number one in the betting markets. They're the favorite to win the title. Simply put, I think they've got the best college basketball roster in the country in terms of experienced uh, guys who have proven themselves at this level. I think they've got the best college basketball roster. Not the best, not the most talented roster, but the best to win college basketball games. Who's got the best roster? I mm. think that's Kansas. And then I also think, and I say this respectfully to everybody else, I think they got the best coach. I do I too. Yeah. So when you got the best roster and the best coach, I'm going to put you number one. That's and, where I think Kansas should be. And after that, I've got Purdue at two, Duke at three, Florida Atlantic at four, and Michigan State at five. And I'm going to be higher on Florida Atlantic than most, but I'm just going to go back to what we talked about earlier. This team was great all year long. They bring basically everybody back. I don't think, I know it was fluky in some ways that they ended up in the final four, if only because Florida Atlantic and a conference USA school is never supposed to do that. But that team was good. I, 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 that team was good and there's no reason, barring injuries, that it shouldn't be really, really good again. If you told me right now they win 35 more games, I wouldn't predict it because that's a lot, but it's, it's on the table. Mm. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't win at least 30. 
if they don't win their league or at least compete with Memphis at the top of the league. And I, I, I suspect they're going to be, yeah, I, I think they're going to be terrific. I'm a big believer in Florida Atlantic. I like it. I, uh, you mentioned Kansas. I think right now it's a consensus. Kansas is the preseason number one team. That's what everyone's going to say. And Hunter Dickinson, obviously being the number one transfer, kind of pushed them over the edge as that team. And Bill Self was not healthy in the NCAA tournament. He did not coach. And I think that's the other biggest caveat that is not being discussed about Kansas in general. And Bill Self is trying to run it up. We saw him in Maui um, a few years back in 2019, and he was sitting by the pool, and I asked him how many was too many national championships, and he said it'll never be enough. You know what I mean? This is like He has an insatiable thirst for winning, which is very fascinating to me in today's climate. And as a lot of the guys from his you know, era are deciding to step away from the game, it seems like big Bill Self is doubling down at this point. Um, so their consensus number one. Who, after the national championship, did you think was going to be consensus number one? You said that it was different once they ha- added 100 Dickinson. Did you have another team that you thought? Is it well, Duke, obviously? Well, um, at the time, I did not think Filipowski would be back. Mm. He was a projected first-round pick, so right. I had him out the door. That changes the way I look at them. But, you know, we're now up to version 20 or 21 <laughs> of the top 25 and 1. I love it. On version 1, the night of the championship game, if I remember correctly, I had UConn number 1. Because mm. remember, Jordan Hawkins was the only one that it was like, he's definitely got to go. He's a projected lottery pick, top 20 pick. He's got to go. So Nogo could have come back. Jackson could have come back. You know, there, there was yeah. a whole lot of conversations about maybe they just right. all run it back. Who knows? Yeah. So it was like, okay, lose Jordan Hawkins, but enroll a top five recruiting class and bring back everybody. That's the number one team. In the, and I do think that would have been the number one team in the country. In fact, at BartTorvik.com, they have a roster tool uh, that you can play with yeah. over there. So they have their preseason computer rankings. Then you can take somebody off the roster or add somebody to the roster. Right now, if you go play with that, and all you do, all you do is take the current UConn roster and add Adama Sanogo back to it, they're preseason number one. I don't know that I would put them there above Kansas, but in the computers, at least at Bart Torrey, they would be. So on the night of the championship game, I was like, okay, they might lose Andre Jackson, but they might not. And Sanogo, I know he's just most outstanding player of the Final Four, but where is he going? The NBA doesn't value centers like him anymore. So if Jackson comes back, Sonogo comes back, everybody but Hawkins, basically, that's the preseason number one team. So that's who I had. When you lose Jackson and Sonogo, I'm going to, you got to adjust, I think. I still got UConn top 10, top 15-ish, but UConn was my initial number one. But that was based on projections that didn't quite work out so well. Yeah, I I like UConn a lot. I think they're going to end up being right there again. And uh, I... I want to talk about kind of the seeding because I do think the seeding with all the quad ones, quad twos, quad threes, I get very upset about the quad gods um, and and this whole system because Las Vegas, there was a regional that happened and all four of those teams, in my estimation, could have been in the final four and UConn won that regional. They go to the final four and they end up stomping everybody else in the final four. And that comes back in my brain and I say, we're, we're seeding things improperly, if that's the case. Because when you watch the, that regional in Las Vegas, you could tell, you know, whether it be Arkansas, whether it be Gonzaga, whether it be UCLA, I could have talked myself into all those teams being in the Final Four, but instead they're in the Sweet 16 in one place. How do we fix the seeding, and how do you feel about the quad rankings and, and how the net has affected all this sort of stuff? Okay, the quad rankings I feel about the same way I feel about the, the label of five-star prospect. Mm-hmm. I think 
the range in which we talk about these things is too wide. You, you hear it all the time. So-and-so, oh, they just got a commitment from a five-star. And you go, look, and you go, oh, okay, he's ranked 22nd in the country. I mean, that's a good player. I take him every time. But the 22nd ranked player in the country is not like the second ranked player in the country. Right. Ever. He's not a program changer like you expect no, when you see five star. No, yeah. no. But we, we, but we call him the same thing. <laughs> and, and, and the argument, at least because I had this conversation with recruiting people, and, and it's like at 24-7 sports, they have 35 star prospects every year. And, and that is because, well, we have 30 first round picks every year. So these are 30 first round. Uh, these are 30. Um, these are, these are, uh, we're going to have 35 star players. And I said, that's fine. But think about this because it's the point I'm trying to make. I'm talking to them, not you. Um, I'm, I'm like, in the NBA draft, we don't pretend all first round picks are the same. Mm-hmm. We don't go, oh, yeah, Brandon Miller is a projected first round pick. We say Brandon Miller is a projected five, top five pick. Brandon Miller is a top three pick. Brandon Miller is a lot. We define, we'd, we'd say, oh, yeah, they're a lottery pick. We don't just lump all the first round picks together like we talk about them like they're the same. But we do do that with five star prospects. We shouldn't. It, the, it, there should maybe be 10 five stars a year. And, and it just to, if you've got that label, it means you're special. You're probably a one and done. You're probably going to the NBA. Because when you start, there's not much difference between 62 and 82, but there is a ton of difference between two and 22. There just is. I would fix that. Now, why am I bringing it up as a re- quad system? Same thing. The gaps are too wide. I'm not looking at it right now. I, I guess I could pull it up to prove a point, but, but you'll get the point. Either way, um, we spend so much time, and I'm guilty of this as, as well, on the podcast, on um, you know, when I'm uh, updating the top 25 and one, when um, you know, I'm on television and I'm talking about, yeah, well, they got seven quad one wins and this team's only got one quad one. When we talk about these things as if they're all the same, they're not, but they're, they're, but they're grouped the same. And I know the selection committee will tell you well, we look inside the quads. We don't just say seven quad one wins. We look inside and we see, all right, but what are these? But it's very easy to get caught up on those sheets and just go, well, this team has eight quad one wins and this team only has five. This team must be better. It must have done more. Well, but what if these eight quad one wins, you look at them and it's like, well, none of them are as impressive as the t- top three quad one wins this, this other team has. Here's my point. Last season, if you would have, the best win you could have gotten relative to the, the quadrant system, the net rankings would have been a win over Houston. You beat Houston. Houston was number one in the net. They finished the season number one in the net. You beat Houston. That's a quad one win. Do you know what also was a quad one win? If you beat Sam Houston State on the road, right? Quad one win because they were 69th in the quad. And as long as it's one through 75 on the road, quad one win. So these things get grouped exactly alike. My favorite team goes out and beats Houston. We get a quad one win. Your favorite team goes out and beats Sam Houston on the road. We both have quad one wins. Who did more? What's more impressive? Right. My team beating Houston or your team beating Sam, uh, beating, uh, uh, Sam Houston? Not even close, but they're grouped the same way. That's a flaw. I don't know exactly where you got to move the, the, the sticks to make it, but, but you shouldn't have an entire industry of people on television talking about quad one wins as if a win over Houston is the same thing as a road win over Sam Houston. We all know that's not the same thing. 
but they get grouped the same way. They get talked about the same way. I think that's a flaw in the system. And the, and the worst part about it is that it fluctuates throughout the season as well. I that's mean, right. these records update 24-7. So the last yeah. time you saw the graphic, this team was 9-1, and one, quad one record, but then right. two teams fall out. You know, Sam Houston falls out of that top 75. Now there's a, a win wiped away. Fans don't understand it because they're like, we <laughs> no, just had it, 10 quad one wins. Now, now we have four. It's, <laughs> it's very confusing. It's it, very confusing. Like, it's like, you know Chris Vernon. But yeah, like, I know you and Chris uh, are buddies. He's he's one of my best friends. He's the best. He's a diehard sports fan. All right. He loves everything. He lives it, breathes it. He has no idea how the quad system works. Right. Not like I, I quiz him on it. And I, I'll be like, could we actually turned it into a joke on his show one time? And I was like, okay, Memphis is playing Kent State on the road. They're 68 in the net. If they win, what is that? He'll be like, uh, is that a quad two? No, that's a quad one. Like he doesn't, it's confusing. And he goes, for, what? Even for people, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. It's confusing even for people who know this stuff. So I do think that's a problem. There was one hilarious one last, maybe two seasons, I don't, in recent years, where this team had one quadrant one win. All right. It's deep in the season. They got one quadrant one win. They beat a team and it was a team that they had already beaten earlier in the season. That was their quad one win. Mm. This team's like 73rd in the net and this team beat them on the road. Quad one win. That's their quad one win. Then they play them again. They beat them again. But when they beat them that time, it dropped them from 73 down right. to 78 in the net. They lost the won a game and lost a quad one win. They, they woke up on a Saturday. They had one quad one win. They won their game on Saturday, went to bed on, uh, woke up on Sunday morning, now you got zero quad one wins because you just beat a team and by beating them, you dropped them in the rankings and that took away your quarter one win. It's very, I'm telling you, I taught the coaches and they don't understand. It, like, I, I, it sounds stupid. I don't understand. I it. Understand. I was, I, I'm supposed to understand it and I'm watching Carolina last season and I'm doing the math and I'm like, I think they yeah. need to lose this game. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you ever get to a point where you're going, would it be better to lose this game? You've got a, you've got a flaw in your system somewhere. Right. But I, I'm like, I, I do understand that. I don't want to be like, it's impossible to understand. Like, it's not impossible to understand, but it is complicated. And I know coaches who, who, who still do not quite grasp it. They do not understand what they need to do to improve that very important number connected to their name. Because one of the things the NCAA has stopped short of is like actually being completely transparent with what is in the algorithm, what matters and what doesn't. They, they, everybody has ideas. But I'm telling you, I could talk to an ACC coach t tonight and I'd say, explain to me how you're going to improve your net. How are you going about, what's your approach? And he'd be like, GP, I'm just a ball coach. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't understand what, I, did, I didn't know I had to be a mathematician to coach basketball. I don't understand the net. I don't understand the quad. I'll just text you in December and you tell me how I'm doing. That, yeah. that, that, those people exist out there. They don't understand what it is they're, what it is they're looking at. I think I understand it, but I just think it's so incredulous that, you know, the the comprehension breaks my brain that this is reality, that we're living under this type of circumstance. I mean, we've dealt with the RPI. We've dealt with every iteration of the same thing, but we've never figured out the exact science. So it, it's it blows, it breaks my brain and it blows my mind every single time. I wanted to ask you this existential question. Uh, two more things before I let you get out of here. First, is college basketball dead or is it better than ever? Because I, I have seen both arguments made. Um, I think it is not dead, but I don't know if it's better than ever, but I've seen both sides argued. Where do you stand on this uh, longstanding debate on college basketball? Not dead, will likely never be dead, but <laughs> it's not better than ever. 
um, and also is is not the best sport in the country. Like so often, people who cover the sport the way we do, um, you know, it, you become they become like college basketball is the best. It's not. It, it's not the best. You know, I, I think I, I personally think the NFL is obviously bigger and better. Um, I I think the NBA. I prefer the NBA to college basketball. I, I think I prefer FIBA basketball uh, to the yeah, NBA. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I love it. Yeah. So I I love it, but I don't need to lie to you. It's not my favorite sport, and I, it's certainly not most people's favorite sports, right? It's not better than ever. I think better than ever is when you get three years of Lou Alcindor or you mm-hmm. get um, four years of Patrick Ewing. Um, better than ever was a time when even the guys that were going to be the number one pick in the draft someday were not in a rush to get into the NBA draft. Um, now it's 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 actually like reckless if you're projected where Patrick Ewing was forever projected to not leave, but there was a time where people weren't eager to get out the door. Now sometimes college basketball almost feels like just it's something some of these players feel like they have to do before they go to the NBA. I'm telling you, man, I I go out and I talk to these young prospects um, on the grassroots circuit sometimes. You know, the guys who are clearly going to be one and dons and onto the league. And when I think about them ten years from now, they'll have two hundred million dollars. And I I have rarely do you hear them say I've always wanted to play on Big Monday or <laughs> man uh, I, it's my dream to be in the final four or man those CBS Sunday double headers oh boy I always wanted they don't talk like that they don't care. It, it's, it's not they don't care about college basketball but it's not it's something they feel like they have to do on their way to where they really want to be it's a check it's great. a check on the uh, on the journey right. right it's a benchmark right. that you have to clear that's right so it's not better than ever but it's also not dead. People are always talking about, oh, nobody cares about college basketball. But then you look at the television ratings and it's like, well, you know, it, 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 you take football at the professional level, collegiate level, set it aside. Nobody else is doing television numbers like college basketball. You know, the NBA doesn't do television numbers like college basketball. Um, Major League Baseball doesn't do television numbers like college basketball. So I do think there are problems. I think fans looking up every year and going, who's on my team? I, I know this year, like Purdue fans, they know their team. Marquette fans, they know their team. I, I, we just are, we're in the middle of this candid coaches series at CBS Sports where we yeah, talked to like roughly it. 100 coaches. And I, I had one coach tell me, you know, I was talking to one of our biggest boosters the other day and he was like, so who's on our team? <laughs> like the guy who donates a half million dollars a year doesn't know who's on my team. Like, I think that's a problem. And to your point earlier, the reason it's not just the coaches of the star college basketball that's done purposely because they're the only recognizable people for the most part. Like by the time people realize who, um, by the time Justin Edwards becomes something sports fans are talking about this year, he's in the he'll draft. be like six weeks away from never playing college basketball again. Yep. That, that, that's not great for the sport. Like when you, when you see Zion Williamson, you go, well, I guess I got another four months of this and then it's over. When you see Trevor Lawrence, you go, I got three years of this. This is going to be great at USC. You got a quarterback you recognize, right? You don't get that. If Caleb Williams were a basketball player, he wouldn't be in college anymore. I do think there are problems connected to the sport, but every problem that has ever emerged when the Kobe Bryant's and the LeBron James were skipping college, Kevin Garnett's, that's a problem. Go look at the television ratings. Go look at the attendance numbers. Nothing ever changed. It, it, this is a sport. And I don't want to say it's unlike any sport because I, I imagine college football is the same way. But this is a sport where 
it really doesn't matter who's in those jerseys. As long as they're wearing those jerseys, there's going to be an audience for it. Yeah. If you, you know put what, if you it, put the Kentucky jersey on a bunch of walk-ons and that's your starting five and they're playing a bunch of other walk-ons, I mean, and they're playing in a you know, a competition, fans are going to show up and they're going to pull for them and they're going to love it. There's going to be and there's going to be 20,000 right. people in, 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 if you told Kentucky fans, "Hey, you got a top 10 team." I'm not going to tell you any of the players' names and you don't know anything about them, but it's a top 10 team with 13 guys in Kentucky uniforms. Rupp Arena will fill up for that. And 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 every I think time. that will Every single time. And I think that it will for, I don't want to say forever, because like I don't even know what any of this is going to look like in 20 years, but I don't, that's always going to be the most important thing. I care about that school. I grew up rooting for those uniforms, and I'm going to continue rooting for those uniforms, even if I am largely unfamiliar every November with who's actually going to be wearing the uniforms. There are problems, but there's never been problems that have derailed the sport in any sort of meaningful way. And it's like, Whatever they tell you will be the death of college basketball. Just know that they've said it before and they were never right. Oh, you expand. I don't want them to expand the tournament, but there are people with jobs like ours who will tell you if you expand the tournament, you're going to kill the sport. No, you won't. <laughs> you might diminish the sport. I wouldn't like it as much, but you're not going to kill it. You know what? Because the tournament will start, a bracket will come out, everybody will fill one out. And we'll have a blast just like we do every March. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the 2022 Final Four in New Orleans, those four programs being there and the electricity in the building for that, you know, North Carolina Duke game, Coach K's last game. And I think when I left the building that night, I mean, one, I I was, you know, on a high of all highs. But on the other side of it, I said to myself, this it might be the pinnacle of college basketball at some level. And I'm sure in 1975, when John Wooden won his last championship with UCLA and he walked off, there's a lot of people that thought college basketball will never be like this. And I'm hoping that we have the same sort of back end where it just keeps getting better and better over time. Um, speaking of things that get better with time, last thing I want to talk about quickly, Rick Pitino, uh, the St. John's Johnnies, they're there at number 26 on your top 25 and one. My producer Kyle is fist bumping in the air because he loves Rick Pitino so much. How do we feel about Rick Pitino year one at St. John's? I think they're going to be good. I, I don't, I don't know that they'll, I don't think they will be a, I don't know if they'll really be a top 30 team, but like I look at that roster and I look at Rick Pitino and I, I, I think they can be, mm. I think he's going to go to the NCAA tournament in year one. I think he's going to like, I think he's going to win biggies titles. Like, I think he's going to be great <laughs> there. Um, Me too. And it's the second that he is, and it might've already happened, but for you, he was out for a long time. And by out, I mean, in Greece at Iona, not he was where basically he, blackballed. I mean, let's let's be honest which about it. Was always crazy, right? I want to be clear because I don't. People have Google and they can find out what I've said and written before. I do think Louisville and Rick Pitino needed to part ways. I do believe that it, it just was like we can't deal with another scandal, even if you didn't know about this. It's just it's too much. <laughs> yeah, we can't watch. do this anymore, Rick. It's, it's time. <laughs> it was time. I agree. It was time. What I don't agree with is the idea, because I would hear this, the following year, the following year, the following year, the following year, people would say, well, you can't hire Rick Patina," And I would say, why? Why can't you? He doesn't have a show cause. Yes, he's had a program that's had NCAA issues. It, do you, I, I know you realize this. I, I don't know that everybody does. Nothing's ever been tied to him. Nothing, nothing meaningful has ever been tied to Rick Patina. And, and, and if anything, he has great plausible deniability because he went on his radio show with Brian Bowen, the recruit, and he said, this is the easiest recruitment of my life. This yes. kid fell into my lap. And that was the, the recruit that led to this whole thing. You know what I mean? So I think I think at worst, he was willfully ignorant. Yes. Like, like I, I don't. Hey, I don't need. 
Just give say me the kids. He was just like, give me the players and I'll deal with them when they get to campus. Say less. I don't need to know. <laughs> Do whatever you're doing. Somebody calls him and says, would you be interested in Brian Bowen? Of course. Okay, we're going to get him on a visit. Say less. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know. Whatever you're about to say. A natural question to ask is, how are we doing this? Don't ask that question. Yeah. It's an unnecessary so I, I question. Do think, yeah, I do. I, Rick is so smart. I, I, I find it, frankly, unbelievable that he didn't know something was going on. But I also don't believe he knew what was going on or was involved in it because I don't think he wanted to know. The stripper parties, <laughs> I'll go to my grave saying he didn't know anything about that. I agree. If only because he's smart. Do you know what you do if you're the head coach and you find out one of your assistants is running stripper parties on campus? You say, what are you doing bringing that on campus where there's cameras everywhere? Like, what are you doing? Hey, if you want to do the stripper parties, take them to the Marriott. Yeah, off campus. Take them to a house. (laughs) Get it off campus with my brother-in-law's. He didn't know about that. He's basically like, don't be an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, don't be an idiot. Rick Pitino would have shut that down so quick if he knew about it, whether he agreed with it or not, because it's stupid to have it on campus and it's stupid to have it in your late brother-in-law's, the dorm named for him. All right? So... There's been a lot of stuff around Rick Pitino. Nothing ever tied directly to Rick Pitino. And on those two things that we just discussed, I believe him. All right. So I understand why Louisville couldn't keep employing him. I never understood why somebody else couldn't hire him. I don't say this to like crap on anybody else, but there are a lot because Rick does have some shortcomings in his personal life, very high profile things. Um, If you are a college president or chancellor, I've said this a bunch over the years, and you just have a moral, like, I can't do it. I, I can't. I can't employ that guy. I just can't do it. I won't even argue with you. I get it. I'm, I, I understand. I disagree, but I understand. But if you start going, I can't hire him for NCAA stuff. That made no sense to me. And frank, and the reason the other stuff didn't even make sense to me is because there's a lot of coaches who have had personal problems. It hadn't ended up in lawsuits, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of coaches who maybe have had problems within their marriage, and they're great at their their Hall of Fame level guys. I, I do, that has literally nothing to do with your ability to run a basketball program, personal life can be your personal life. It's just that Rick's got very public. I would have hired him last year somewhere else, year before somewhere else, year before somewhere else. St. John's is going to be so glad they did this. And the other schools who might be struggling next year, the year after, the year after, who know deep down, we could have maybe done this a year earlier or two. They're going to regret it because he's about to make the garden is going to be popping. Mm -hmm. St. John's is going to be good. And every school in the country who's made a hire in recent years that didn't work out is going to know man, we should have probably jumped the gun and, and got out in front of this thing because we could be experiencing that right now too. He's going to be fabulous. I'll be shocked. Like the surest, the surest thing in college basketball for decades has been Rick Pitino is going to be awesome. I really believe this. If he never left for the NBA, if he just he becomes a college basketball coach and he never stops being a college basketball coach, he's the all-time leader in wins. He's approaching John Wooden for championships. And he is widely considered the GOAT of college coaching because he was out of the high major levels for so long, either because of the NBA or because Greece and Iona. He's just not going to accumulate those numbers. But I, I really do believe this. I think with respect to John Wooden, Mike Krzyzewski, I think Rick Pitino is the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Yeah. And I think he's going to be great at St. John's. And, and one of the greatest in-game coaches of all time, because I think that yes. gets lost in translation a little bit too, what Rick Pitino is able to do with specific rosters and getting the most out of the talent that he has in the building. That's why I'm so fascinated by it. And I think by year two, 
every home game that St. John's plays will either be in Barclays Center or in MSG. I mean, th- this is what he is trying to do. He's trying to get out of Queens. He's trying to get in major, you know, settings with this group and recruit the hell out of New York. So, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, Ian Jackson, who's now committed to North Carolina, Rick Pitino is going to recruit the hell out of this kid. And it's going to be a battle for everybody in New York, uh, you know, and New Jersey, really, to deal with him on a recruiting level. I think he's got a second wind. As soon as Maryland said that they may interview him, I feel like that is when, you know, people said, okay, the veil is off. We can actually talk to Rick Pitino. And uh, I think the rest will be history. And I mean, Will Wade got hired with the show calls. So he, right. I mean, he didn't even have a show calls. And, and like, again, I, I said, I'm not <laughs> trying to crap on anybody, but like if Will Wade can work in college basketball and Sean Miller can work in college basketball, then you're never going to tell me that Rick Pitino can't work in college basketball. Exactly. And I say that not to dump on those guys, but if you're looking for coaches with actual NCAA issues, Sean's, Will's, in my opinion, were, were were tougher to deal with than anything Rick's had to deal with. Absolutely. Well, Gary Parrish, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing all your insights. We would love to have you back on the show. Good luck with everything. Where can we find all your amazing work for everybody that doesn't know? Uh, everything will be on Twitter or X uh, at Gary <laughs> Parrish, uh, CBS. Find it at cbssports.com. Uh, the podcast is Spotify, Great Apple pod. Podcast. Um, I, I, it's I'm not hard to find, unfortunately and and unfortunately. But brother, I, I appreciate you inviting me on. It's always good to see you. I always have fun talking to you. Anytime you want to do it, just let me know. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll have you back, and uh, we'll let Verno know that it actually happened. So this this will yes. be good for all the Memphis. He'll relations. be pleased. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Thank you, buddy. I'll see you. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There you have it. Gary Parrish, one of the best. Thanks for coming on the show. I know, uh, you know, you can't see in the studio if you're just listening right now, but as soon as Gary Parrish started going on about Rick Pitino and him being the best coach of all time and all this sort of stuff, <laughs> Kyle was going crazy. I mean, you were, you were like fist bumping in the air. I would have thought that you went to St. John's. <laughs> So I love to see that. Uh, shout out to Gary Parrish for coming to the show. He's the best. We're going to have him back. He's a great resource. You know, like I said, he's been doing this for a long time. He knows how it goes. I, uh, I just want to point out when he said that he likes NBA over college basketball, I can't agree with that. You know what I mean? I, I, I will not stand here and say that is my truth, but I do respect it. That is a hot take. And uh, in a world of takes, we got to have them. But that was great. Um, let's talk about a former Memphis coach. His name is John Calipari, and uh, he was on Sports Center on Tuesday. If you didn't see this, he was doing the ESPN car wash. 
They asked him, um, the sports center host was sitting there with him. She said, you're in Toronto. You go to Drake's house. Little Wayne is sending you things for your office. Do you identify with the rap scene? Which is one of my, I think I'm gonna start asking people on our show, do you identify with the rap scene before I start talking to them? Um, and Cal, and this is why I love Coach Cal. He said, I know all the songs. When I'm in the shower, I'm singing those songs. Now, this is why you know he's a genius because one, he didn't say I like that song yeah. or I like this song. He said, I know the songs and I sing the songs. Very general, um, doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. Again, this man is a politician. He's working at the highest level. This is an old school playbook where you just go do the ESPN car wash and you get your face out there. Mac Brown does it. By the Nick way, Saban does which it. words are you singing in the shower? Coach Cal, I'm he, kidding. I'm uh, yeah, kidding. Right. Kidding. It's a good question, Kyle. We don't know. I'm kidding. You're singing all the words in the shower. No, he's he's singing Fleetwood Mac, but at the same time, he understands he understands what this is. This is uh this is a big picture uh conversation that he's having on Sports Center. He also met Shohei Otani. He met Mike Trout taking pictures with them. So um, if you're keeping up with the offseason of Coach Calipari, he's been on one. And it makes me feel like Kentucky is going to be in the mix this year. I know Kyle Mann will be excited about that. But uh, if you missed the Sports Center interview, go watch it because it's basically, I think he wrote the questions. Uh, <laughs> and he did a great job answering those questions. So that was great. Shout out to Calipari. Love to see that. Speaking of guys I love, uh, Anthony Edwards. Shout out to Anthony Edwards. They played Jordan um, at 1.40 a.m. Tuesday morning uh, on the on the West Coast. And after that game, he's sitting at a... They, they blow out Jordan, uh, in case you missed it. Blow him out. They win the group. He's sitting at the press conference. He's wearing an Atlanta Braves hat, which is incredible. You know what I mean? As someone from the South, I, Atlanta is like the capital city to me, you know? And, it's the uh, New York of the South. It's the New York of the South, Kyle. There you go. Um, so to see a Braves hat um, representing Team USA and have Steve Kerr sitting next to him and Steve Kerr is kind of just like smiling because he's so happy that Anthony Edwards is his friend now. Um, <laughs> and Anthony Edwards gets asked about pressure. Um, and it was a very Allen Iverson moment. He just goes, pressure, pressure, not at all. You know, I, I love playing basketball and uh, I just feel like we're watching a star and he is being born right before our very eyes. Um, and I love it so much. And it's great for the World Cup. It's great for Team USA. Again, they won the group. The other not-so-great news for Team USA fans, Brandon Ingram did get benched for Josh Hart. There's some Brandon Ingram fans, Pelicans fans that are upset about this. They think they're not using Brandon, Brandon Ingram the correct way. We had Kyle Mann talking about this, his usage rate in this tournament, a little bit different than what he does for the Pelicans. A lot of spot-up shooting, not a lot of pick-and-roll offense. It happens. This is FIBA basketball, three seconds or less. So I'm not really worried about Brandon Ingram. I'm not going to, you know, throw dirt on his grave. I think he actually can be a nice piece for this team um, if they need a scoring punch off the bench. So I'm not freaking out about it. But Anthony Edwards, I am freaking about how much I love him. And um, I'm a LaMelo Ball guy. You all know this. Uh, LaMelo Ball was with my Charlotte Hornets. They were in the same draft. I thought LaMelo, Anthony Edwards was a great conversation about Rookie of the Year and all that sort of stuff, but Anthony Edwards is winning my heart over. I still love LaMelo. I wish he was playing Team USA basketball. Shout out to Tommy Amaker, by the way. He got his name on the Harvard locker room, making history in the Ivy League. He is the first black coach to inspire such a naming gift. I did not know that was uh, history. I thought I, I, I won. Tommy Amaker, I have a lot of respect for because he was supposed to be the guy that got the Duke job. He was told um, by the administration that he would be the Duke head coach. And then he was told by Coach K that he's not the coach. Um, and he handled it with class and grace. And I love to see Harvard 
um, giving him his, you know, respect. And Tommy Amaker is a great basketball player. If you don't remember him from the 80s at Duke, he was incredible. So shout out to Tommy Amaker. That's great. Um, I love to see that. Also, we are in surprise scholarship season in case you missed it. This is the time where coaches will have walk-ons and they'll bring them up and they'll say, hey, um, surprise, you got a scholarship. Everyone freaks out. Everyone celebrates. And all of a sudden, you don't have to pay for school. So that's great news. San Diego State was the most recent one I just saw. Our guy, Brian Dutcher, the Flying Dutchman, giving out a uh, a scholarship to Cade Algier or Alger. I think it's Algier, but... Uh, we'll figure it out by season start. We'll, we'll figure it out. But again, Cade, congratulations. You got your scholarship. We love to see that. Um, and it's great for college basketball because, again, when you're giving out scholarships, I know with NIL, things have changed a little bit, but scholarships still hit different. Um, it takes you from a different status of a walk-on to, like, you're you're really out here on this team. You're not just running scout team. People it's a great phone call. You can call your dad. Just get, oh guess what, God. dad? Call, what? call your parents and say, like, you don't have to pay for school. Maybe they get you something nice because you don't have to pay for school. Maybe if you have a little bit of uh, personal debt, you can address that now that you don't have to pay for school. It's it's all good things. So uh, I love this. If you have any videos, please tweet it at One Shining Podcast at One Shining Pod on X slash Twitter, and we will uh, retweet those videos because I find them so much fun and uh, they're good. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of good that we see out in this world, and uh, those things are good. So we love to see that. Um, yeah. Also, shout out to Michael Lombardi, because if you, you know, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. I love Lombardi. We did a show together, but he went on our boss, Bill Simmons podcast. Kyle produced that podcast. The vibes were flowing. Oh my God, Kyle. I felt like it was 2018. Right. And uh, they posted that Shawshank thing and it's oh, like, oh, they're back. It, it was amazing. Beach. And I don't, I don't know why he's not a recurring guest. I want Lombardi in the fold. I don't know how or, or what way I can actually make that happen. But Lombardi called me after the fact and he was like, it was great talking to Simmons. It felt like the old days. It felt like how we used to do things. And um, the pandemic bro broke everybody's brains. The pandemic kind of uh, reset my entire life at some level. And a lot of things that happened in 2018, even though it's five years ago, it feels like 15 years ago. So it felt like watching old friends uh, or listening to old friends. And uh, if you haven't checked out that episode, go do that. And again, in the same vein, Cousin Sal coming back for Guess the Lines. That that has the same sort of nostalgia. It's nice to be back in, in the I love fold, this time of year. Right? And I love that you're, you're here for this time of year. It's great. I had to watch this all from the outside after being way too inside at one point. <laughs> right. And it was a weird kind of, uh, you know, you need to let it go. You need to move on kind of feeling that I had. You know, I, I was basically Squidward looking down at SpongeBob and Patrick as they were <laughs> playing. And I was upset. And now I get to to watch it live and in person and, you know, here at Spotify. So that's all good stuff. Very excited about that. Football season is here. Can't wait. College football this weekend. Excited about that. Um, on a serious note, quickly, I wanted to send love to my fellow Tar Heels. Um, Kyle hadn't even seen this, but terrible tragedy on campus, uh, a shooting um, that happened. Uh, a professor at the University of North Carolina, unfortunately, um, you know, passed away because of this incident. The 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 assailant was arrested. Um, but the the DTH, the Daily Tar Heel, the student newspaper, they put out a very powerful cover um, that just had the responses of people in that moment. And look, I mean, this is something that has been happening all over the country. We all understand that this is a, a true threat. But to see the campus in Chapel Hill to see people that, you know, I was there eight years ago, um, graduating and it's a place that I, you know, consider at some level home and to see your home have such a thing happen. I'm watching LA local news and they're showing Chapel Hill, people crying, people running, people scared. Um, it just hit different. And, uh, I don't know 
um, what is the right thing to say in these types of situations. I don't think anybody does, but I just want to say that I see you. I'm thinking about all of the students, faculty, people that have their kids going to elementary school right near camp. I mean, there's just a lot of people that are affected by these types of things. And um, it broke my heart to see, to be honest. And, uh, you know, seeing that on the news out here in LA just made my stomach drop and, uh, and feel a certain type of way. So again, uh, prayers to all the people that are, that are dealing with this tragedy and to see, you know, Chapel Hill and that sort of, you know, distress was alarming to say the least. So, um, you know, everybody out there, stay safe. Uh, ELE, everybody love everybody. Let's be better. You know what I mean? That's all I can say. I, I think that we all, as Maya Angelou once told us, we have a whole lot more in common than we have different, but we like to focus on the differences. Let's talk about what we have in common and uh, maybe we have a better future and that's all we can hope for. But again, all my people at North Carolina, I'm thinking about you, praying for you. My mom was distraught. Everybody was distraught as we talked about this. So, um, you know, it hit close to home. Not to say that it shouldn't have affected me before that, but when you see it at home, it just hits a little bit different. Um, so that was the serious note. Now I have a programming note. Um, I will be in Como, Italy next week uh, for one of my best friends' wedding who uh, went to Carolina with me. We were roommates for three years in North Carolina. Shout out to Alex and Raleigh who are getting married. Uh, their big day. Um, a lot of people, if you're listening, you're like, you have friends that are getting married in Como. Yes, they picked the right career. Um, I did not. I was like, I want to be in media, broadcast journalism. That'll be great for me. Um, they went into business, finance, Kyle. Poughkeepsie in Italy. Long, <clears throat> great, great travel for you this year. You right. really, you really are a lucky guy. You I get like to, go to everywhere. see both sides of the coin. You know what I mean? That, that, Whoa. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like Poughkeepsie is an American gym. You know what it I mean? Is. Now I'm going to go you. see an Italian gym. Thank you. That, that's what, it, that's what I mean by All that. Right. Um, and I love Poughkeepsie by the way, and I'm excited to see what Como looks like. I would never be there without, you know, big ballers that are friends. So, uh, I'm excited for that. My girlfriend's coming with me. We're going to be in Italy. So that means, if you're reading between the lines here, no show next week. We will be dark. I will be in Italy. Kyle will be producing. Bill Simmons, Cousin Sal, gearing up for you know for NFL football and just for the mayhem that is ahead. So we're excited about that. Um, there's also some big news on the horizon for Through the Ringer, the TV show that I'm doing this fall. Very excited about that. Um, I can't say anymore. I, I tease it at the top. I'm scared if I say anything, I'll get in trouble. But just know... We've been doing so well without getting in trouble. So I, we're just going to keep that I going. A, it's been six months and I have had zero trouble. No talking twos. It's been great. No talking twos. Not even a weird email. I've had some talking ups, <laughs> yeah, if anything, right. which is uh, honestly shocking. Who would have thought? But maybe, look, I matured in my time. As I was Squidward in my room, I matured and I came back and I'm better for it. Um, but again, it is going to be very exciting. I'm very fired up about what's ahead. Um, I feel like we're back on the boat and and we're all rowing in the same direction here at the Ringer. So I'm excited about that. Um, thanks for listening to OSP, everybody. I know we're going to take the week next week, but hopefully between this episode with Gary Parrish and, you know, T.O., Terrence Oglesby, when he came on and talked about, you know, the top 25 brainstorming that, if you want some college basketball fixings, those two episodes will help you, uh, you know, during the uh, interim while we take a, a week off. And uh, again, OSP, it's a labor of love. I love doing the show. I'm going to miss being on the airwaves with everybody next week, but it'll it'll fly by and I'll see you in 10 days and we'll have Kyle Mann back and then we'll be ready to to get things going, hit the road running and uh, and we'll be good. Kyle, any shout outs from you before we get out of here? Yeah, I'll do quick ones. And I guess this is a little longer because we're going to be uh, dark next week, but this is the this is the top of the list. Shout out Merle Code. You remember him? He was uh, imprisoned wow. in the FBI's college basketball scandal with uh, Adidas. People forget. Uh, he went to jail for five and a half months. He is now suing uh, 
uh, oh, Adidas. I, I'm suing somebody. <laughs> Let me just tell you. He's suing for his 500 grand in legal expenses. <laughs> and also, he hasn't worked in the six years that's passed. So I think he's, oh, man. he's uh, uh, suing for, he's seeking damages caused by the arrest, his incarceration, incarceration and basically being uh, not hired by anybody else in this field since because that's just... What happens when you go to prison, I think. And remember this. Merle Code was a part of the FBI, uh, you know, little spreadsheet. They put the flow chart they put together that said, this is how it works. We are going to tear down the system of college basketball. Unfortunately, a guy by the name of Jeff D'Angelo <laughs> decided to blow it all up. And uh, it has led to the point where now people are suing other people uh, because of his uh, malpractice. Um, and the FBI, they couldn't even stop college basketball. And now we have NIL and everything. You know, it's basically the wild, wild west. So I don't blame Merle Code. I think he should um, do all of these things. And if I had to pay a bunch of legal fees, I'd be upset too. So shout out to Merle Code. Get, get free. Free Merle. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Great name too. So I hope that works out. Uh, just a quick headline. Arizona's got a new director of basketball ops. Uh, his name is Evan Manning. No relation to the seemingly endless supply of Mannings that are a lot going of around sports. But I uh, just, you know, Whatever, new conference, new me, right? That's kind of what's going on here. I love Arizona basketball. Uh, I'm a sucker for their current regime. Shout I out love, Wild Bags. Yeah, I love Wild Bags. Love Tommy Lloyd. Um, you know, their staff is great. Steve Robinson, their top assistant, that's my guy. If I had to, like, point out a coach that I would say is my favorite coach in college basketball, head coach, assistant coach, Steve Robinson, Coach Rob would be my number one pick. So if you want to understand why I picked Arizona to win the national championship, that's probably a little bit why, because I want coach Rob to succeed. I want Caleb love to succeed. And I want Evan Manning to succeed with Arizona basketball. So we'd love to see that. Yeah, most recently assistant coach at army. He also spent time in Gonzaga, Wake Forest and Kansas in similar roles. That's a pedigree. I love all those schools. I literally love all those schools. That is a good final four right there. <laughs> and then finally, just uh, a, a new headline for our girl, Caitlin Clark. <laughs> yeah, this is now um, the headlines are just getting, are just getting more and more fun to read. $751,000 NIL valued <laughs> Caitlin Clark and boyfriend Connor McCaffrey flaunt twin shoes in latest social media post. Forget the shoes. Forget Mr. McCaffrey, who we love. Shout out, Fran. I just love that now we're we're finding other ways to make this important, and now we're putting the NIL valued uh, number up on top of Caitlin Clark as if people don't need don't know her This already, is great so. for women's <laughs> basketball because, one, it says and boyfriend, even though Connor McCaffrey also played college basketball for his dad at Iowa, which is a nice, like, Caitlin Clark, you come first here. Also, if you are Connor McCaffrey, you have to tell everybody that you and your girlfriend are valued at 751000 NIL. She's probably 750. He's probably the 1,000. But regardless, you can combine this effort, say that you're a power couple, make a brand out of it, because I think that's the main move right now, because Caitlin Clark, one she's point, only going up. 1.1 million NIL valued couple. <laughs> it's, this is the next step. Right. That's what you want. You want to be able to do it as a power. Go Beyonce, Jay-Z with it um, and see what happens. The, the sky is the limit for Caitlin Clark. And uh, I just love that between Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, they have owned a headline every single week. You know what I mean? Like they they just, I don't even think they're doing it, but whoever is aggregating and coming up with these stories, they're doing a great job. Yeah. Shout out to you guys. I'm not going to give you the name though. It's not the spun. <laughs> it's sometimes the spun and sometimes it's not. But uh, you can guarantee to count on the spun for all of your up-to-date the Spun has Instagram all <laughs> the dirt. If you want the dirt, go to the Spun. They got it. Uh, shout out to Caitlin Clark. We are going to talk about women's college basketball this year. I promise you. We are going to have conversations about what's happening because, like I said, there's a lot of drama and there's also a lot of good basketball and a lot of good basketball players. And we saw them at the Wooden Award. We saw it firsthand. So we, we feel personally connected to Caitlin Clark because we watched her shine with Dawn Staley, who's also one of those people that we have to talk about because Dawn Staley, she could coach 
I mean, at the NBA level, that's how good of a coach she is. So, uh, I love that. Kyle, anything else? Any more headlines? That's it. Shout out to the Wooden Award. Just want to make sure we get back there next We're back. Okay. No, I am basically going to operate under the guise that I am who decides who wins the Wooden Award. And I know that's not the case. I only have one vote. But as every politician has told me, my vote matters. And uh, <laughs> I am going to run with that. I'm going to say it matters the most. Um, and it's going to dictate who wins this award. And uh, we'll have our guy back on as we get closer to the Wooden Awards uh, later in the year to break down who are the favorites. Maybe Zach Eady runs it back. Maybe Caitlin Clark runs it back. We don't know. Anything is possible. Um, again, this is One Shining Podcast. We appreciate everybody tuning in. I will be in Lake Como for the first time in my life. Um, please knock on wood, pray for me. Hopefully it all goes well. Hopefully I can get in and out of there clean. And then I get back and we do, um, through the ringer for uh, football season. And we'll have Kyle Mann back on Mondays. Kyle Mann's not going on. He's not going to Sweden anytime soon. He's going to be here. He's going to be locked in. Is that right, Kyle? He better not, or he will be judged. If he, if he takes any more trips, he'll be judged. Yeah. He's on strike (laughs) two right now. Um, if he gets, if he gets strike three, then we're going to go crazy. I don't know what we do. We have no really recourse, uh, but we just want him on the show every Monday. And I think he knows that and he will be here. We know that. And uh, good world cup basketball action on the way. Watch all that. Luka Doncic, best player in the tournament. Um, that is not, even a a debate at this point. If you haven't watched him, go watch him now. Again, the World Cup is happening. It's great basketball. We love to see it. This is One Shining Podcast. We will miss you next week, but we will be back and better than ever. See you then. 